Okay, since this is the fifth Sunday and we have something a little different, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the bulletin, but it's a good thing for us to be reminded God has appointed a time for every matter and for every work. And today we're going to have uh, three individuals who will come up here in just a moment to share how God has... uh, affected them and how they can bring glory to God. So the three people we're going to have share today are uh, Tom Lotz, Megan Failer, and Beth Troutman. And we'd like for you to come on up here. And we'll start off first with my wife of 39 years, well, 38 years. Oh, it's a good thing it's you guys. Well, I was called to uh, share how I glorify God in my work. And then I thought, was that what he said? Or did he say I was called to see how work can glorify God? And I thought, was it that? Or did he say, how can I bring glory to God through my work? And then I thought, okay, if this is an English lesson, which one is which and what does it mean? And so the first thing was... um, How do I glorify God in my work? That would mean me. What do I do at my work that brings glory to God? And then the second thing was, how can my work glorify God? Well, that would mean, how does the stuff I do, how do I teach? What do I, the ways that I teach, how does that glorify God? And the last thing was how to bring glory to God through my work, which made me think, well, that just means I get to have the glory of God at my work. So I thought, this is just confusing. Dave says, no, no, that's the three points of what you're going to share. I can, okay, <laughs> there we go. So that's how that worked out. So my uh, decision on that was, first of all, I want to talk to you about what I do. And me, I'm the teacher. I have been teaching for a very long time, sometimes longer than some of you have been here on the earth, but anyway, I, I'm a, currently I'm a secondary teacher at Mingo Valley Christian School. I teach uh, secondary science, and um, this is my fourth year there. That's a good story if you want to hear about that sometime. Previously to that, I taught middle school for 23 years at Evangelistic Temple School. I told people I worked with the temporarily insane, and they all agreed. Um, previous to that, I taught at Chengdu University of Science and Technology in Chengdu, Sichuan, People's Republic of China for three years. And previous to that, I had a family. And previous to that, I taught fourth grade at Anderson Elementary, District 52, Osage County. So that's all the places I've taught. Um, Currently, I teach 12th grade anatomy, which is uh, all the systems of the body, the functions, and we cut up cats. I teach life science to seventh graders, and we cut up frogs. And I teach... uh, To them, they also spend a lot of time on evolution, creation, biblical creation, uh, a lot of time on biblical worldview for them. And we also, I teach biology for 10th graders. We talk from everything from cells and DNA to uh, how all those systems work together, and they cut up pigs. So in my room is the refrigerator with all the dead animals, and I consider that my job security because nobody else wants my room. I also help sponsor the junior class. They're the group that sponsors the banquet every year, so we have to raise the money, plan the banquet, give the banquet, clean up the banquet, and and have money left over for their senior year. So that's some of the things I do in my work. Um, I also uh, try to 
be an encourager at my work. I think if I can say a positive thing, that's my job to do. I have to say things a lot of times that aren't so easy or positive. So my thought is when I can, I always try to say a positive thing, and I really appreciate God putting in my heart things to say. I try to encourage my uh, students. I try to encourage the teachers and staff, and uh, I consider them to be friends. But um, I want to be able to encourage people there. So that's, those are the things I do. I try to be an encourager at my work. Um, the second thing about this is that the way I teach should glorify God. And um, the best thing about working in a Christian school is that I get to study what a biblical worldview looks like in light of all creation. So that's a great job. It's one of the easiest things to do if you're a science teacher, I think. So um, I get to uh, direct students to how things work from the cell up. Um, and the truth about it is the more people study, the more they find that go into the cell, the more they find, and then they find more from that, and they find more from that. So we spend quite a bit of time on those things. But um, I get to study the design and how God has uh, made things work together. So uh, that's the joy in the work that I do. Um, I want to share with you the most important lesson that I teach to my students every year. I teach this lesson to my students in every class every year. And they're supposed to go, oh, I better pay attention to this if this is the most important lesson that she teaches. So I'll share with you the way God showed me to share with my students. I can't promise students they won't face uh, serious questions in their faith or in creation evolution issues or in just the way the world works as they move out from high school into uh, college into jobs and families. But I can help them stand on the most important parts of their life. So I start out by telling them it's the most important thing, and this is what I share with them, that uh, there's, let's see, make sure I have this all right, that beauty, there's a beauty in the design God has and the events that we see, there's a reason for those, there's a plan, and that things work together for good. So my thought for, sorry, I'm going to get to the right page. The first thing is, if we have a worldview that doesn't have God in it, what does that look like? What does it look like if you look at the world and you don't see God in it? Well, you have a worldview that has uh, no plan. Evolution doesn't have any purpose, any plan, any design. There's no uh, thing that nothing happens because of anything except it just accidentally happened together. So there's also no direction or purpose for what happens in life. And that means, so if I cheat on a test, it doesn't hurt anybody, so it doesn't matter. There's so many things that don't matter if there's no purpose or plan for things. Um, there's no design on how things fit together. There's no uh, way that things should be working for me. There's no reason for suffering. There's no reason for pain or disappointment. None of that fits together if there's no God in my worldview. There's no future and there's no hope. That's what a worldview without God looks like. But a biblical worldview is a worldview that has a plan. There's a design for good. Uh, things are born with purpose. There's a reason to be where you are. There's a reason to do what you do and go where you go. There's a reason to come and go. And there's a reason for all that. Um, it's important that you were born, when you were born, where you were born, that you're in the family you're in, that there's, there's purpose for all of that. 
there's a design that's beautiful that God's arranged. There's events with reasons. There's uh, plans that he has. There's a reason for all of that, and it works together for good. I appreciated that song this morning. Um, there's a reason to persevere when things don't look like they're right, but there is. Because we have a future and we have a hope. So if you contrast what the world's like without God, you don't have any plan. You don't have any design. You don't have any purpose or future or hope. So we stand in a worldview that has God in it. And that is a plan with a, a, a plan from him, a design he has a purpose for the things we see, a future and a hope. So that's how I see God's glory in my job, that I get to remind students of God's glory in all of that, and that in them and through them, they get to um, see his glory. So I can bring glory to God in my work by what I do, by being me, by letting God work in me. I can bring glory to God by teaching the things that I've been assigned to teach, and that's a grateful thing. I'm grateful for that. And I can bring glory to God by bringing him into my work and letting him shine in my students and in the things that are there. So um, thank you for letting me share this morning. Good morning. Uh, I've worked probably an average of 60 to 80 hours the last three weeks, so... When I got the phone call to talk about work, I was thrilled. <laughs> um, no, actually, when I, Nicole called me and I was at work, I was actually 20 feet up on an extension ladder caulking in, uh, caulking in mortar joints and rubbing sand over the caulking to match the mortar. And, and so she called and said, Jim, would like for you to share about how God, you know, how, do, how you see the, the glory of God in your work. And, and I was thinking, I'm on an extension ladder, and like, how do I how do I see the glory of God? Is it uh, I could talk about, you know, maybe God's protection? How, you know, sometimes we do dangerous things, and it's unsafe um, while you're doing carpentry work. Um, I could talk about um, kind of the, the perseverance of, you know, I had been. This was like maybe about a week or so we had been doing the same thing where we're going to seal this all stone house and we had just been you know having to caulk and put sand and you know we're doing that for a week straight and it's 100 degrees and so I could talk about God's perseverance and and how that glorifies God but uh, I really felt that the Lord gave me three different P's um, or words starting with the letter P um, that pertains to work and uh, um, and how it glorifies him, and those, um, and also, the last five years, I want to talk a little bit about uh, my journey in, in in work, and how, you know, five years ago we moved to Oregon and lived there for two and a half years, and it was a big struggle, and then we moved back, and so I want to kind of share a little bit about that. But the three P's I want to talk about today are provision, um, provision, and hold on one second. Um, Purpose and passion. So, uh, I might actually just read a little bit of this because I'm having a hard time. But uh, before I before I move on to these three topics, I'd like to talk about the last five years and the journey that I endured relating to the topic of work. Um, as many of you know, I moved my family and I moved to Oregon in the summer of 2010. 
Um, Nicole grew up in a town called Astoria, Oregon. It's where the Columbia River meets the ocean. Um, the, the Columbia River is four miles wide at that point, and it's just you know mountains and trees and, and natural beauty. Um, Astoria was the oldest settlement west of the Rocky Mountains. It was founded in 1811 as a fur trading post originally. Um, and so the, the history there is, is logging and fishing and canneries and um, kind of like the show uh, The Deadliest Catch and the show's Axemen about the loggers. Those guys were actually our neighbors, some of our neighbors, um, while we were there. So it was a, a place uh, where we moved. You know, we, we kind of felt led to move there. We felt the Lord was leading us there. Nicole's mom had been sick, and she was recovering from a pretty pretty bad illness. And um, we had just, you know, we really felt a, 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 just a hunger and a purpose to, to move to that area. Well, we got there in the summer of 2010. I, I actually landed a job as a painter. So I was, um, before we moved, I was working as a, a custom, I did, did custom remodeling here in Tulsa. And then I also worked with BASIC, the youth group here at the church. So. Um, so for me, I, you know, I got this job painting. It was I kind of referred to those months as the honeymoon months when we first got there because it was summertime, 65-degree weather, just beautiful. I was painting an old historical building downtown, so I would get to see kind of the hustle and bustle of Astoria. And um, often on my way into work, because we would start pretty early, I would, I would stop at this. It was called the East Morin Basin, and there were ships docked and... Um, and they had sea lions that would kind of lay on the docks, and you could hear sea lions barking. And I would sit there and have a quiet time on my way in to work. And, and just it was just a great time of uh, just really our family soaking in the, the natural beauty and, and, and just soaking in, a, you know, Astoria and Oregon and just settling as a family. Well, apparently it rains a lot in Oregon. Um, and so November came, and it started to rain, and then apparently you can't paint in the rain. So uh, my boss at that time, he ended up, he kind of set sail and went to Bend, Oregon, and left two or three of us unemployed. Um, so I didn't really have anything lined up after that. When, you know, so it was kind of a, one of those moments where I kind of felt the, the con- I guess, the false sense of security or control like being kind of pulled away, and I was like, you know, I don't really have, I don't know what to do, so I started applying to jobs, um, you know, at least four to five jobs a week. Um, also, a little bit more background about Astoria. Astoria is a really hard place to find work, even when the economy is good, so those odds were kind of stacked up against me already. Well, um, while I was looking for work, actually, I have, a, I have a list of the jobs, different jobs that I, that I did while, um, while we lived in Oregon. So uh, while I was looking for work, I often helped a Christian neighbor of ours. He was a, a guy named Zola that uh, he was actually escaped from uh, communist Hungary like in the 1970s. He had some really great stories, really great guy, but he would make uh, cedar birdhouses and sell them at the Sunday markets and, and stuff. So I ended up kind of teaming up with him, and I worked with him. It was a lot of great stories and great talks with him. Um, also, I worked a short time at a cannery um, during crab season, which was a pretty traumatic uh, experience for me because, you know, I'd, growing in, up in the Midwest, I'd, you know, never really seen live crab, and, um, and there was also, you know, it was just kind of a hard experience. There was a guy, kind of a crazy guy named Gordy with long hair that drove a forklift 50 miles an hour and would just kind of shout at all of us. And uh, 
And so, you know, I think about all these things, and so that, that's a, that was another experience. It was very traumatic for me, and I can only imagine what it, would, what it was like for the crab. Um, but uh, so I, I, after that, I, that was like in January, so about, you know, a couple months. And so January of 2011, I got a job um, working on a demo crew. This was, you know, I was applying to jobs every week, looking, you know, good jobs, anything I could get. So I got a job working on a demo crew for a company that was uh, redoing stucco on the outside of a, of a resort in Seaside, Oregon. So, um, and I, the, 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 the resort was nine stories tall. It was right on the beach. There was scaffolding. So I would literally run up and down nine stories all day, um, working as hard as I could for the, the lowest amount of income I've ever made. Um, I lost 40 pounds on that job, so I literally like to say I, I like to say I literally uh, worked my butt off on that job. Um, but uh, so after that, I, be, I I got a job as a concrete laborer because I was still looking for work, and um, and that was a really tough job. We would have to. It was in the summertime, so we were building uh, forms for foundations for houses and stuff like that. So we would. I would run with three-quarter-inch plywood, full sheets, across the job site. And those are heavy. I mean, they're really heavy. Um, and just work just as hard as I could. And I would have to endure my boss, like, to scream a lot. So he was a very uh, vibrant guy. Um, so I had to endure a lot of that um, on the job site. And then um, the last job I got, I worked as a glazer. So I installed kind of big curtain walls and glass and schools and community centers we traveled to seattle and other places so i didn't like that because i was obviously i was away from my family a lot um but uh, suddenly after all of those that was you know about the two and a half years uh two years i finally i, I found myself unexpectedly unemployed again um and for four months it was august to january of 2013 uh I, I was unemployed. I, I looked for work every week, five, four to five, at least five to maybe even ten applications a week. No callbacks, no interviews, nothing. Every door was closing. And then the door opened for us to come back to Tulsa. So it was like the Lord was really showing, used the work experience and the struggle that we had to lead us back to Tulsa. And so we came back gratefully uh, singing uh, Bob Wills, Take Me Back to Tulsa. We were... At that point, we were very excited to come back and um, thankful. Um, so, so those are a little bit of background. Um, so, I, I do. I'm a carpenter now. I do uh, custom remodeling, um, and so the, so I, I really enjoy my job. But I want to talk about provision, purpose, and passion. How the Lord has uh, shown His just the glory of the Lord has. I've really seen that in those areas pertaining to my work. So. Um, the, I just want to say, the, we'll start with provision. It's kind of a practical thing. We have to, we have to work to eat. I mean, if you don't work, you don't eat. Um, but, you know, during the, the struggle or the times that in Oregon, when I was unemployed, I was driving um, 40 miles one way to a job that I made $10 an hour. That was the job in Seaside. Where, um, I mean, all, during all that time, I'd bring home less than $400 a week. The Lord still provided we had all of our needs met um i remember one one particular sunday morning i was overly anxious 
um, about our financial situation, and I like just severely laid it out before the Lord, and to the point of like I just finally had just a great peace come over me. And we we went to church that morning, and I just had this joy in my heart, and um, just had a great time as a family that morning. We got back to our house, and uh, there was a basket with an envelope full of cash that said "For the Lotses" on our back door, which I have still don't know who left that, but. Um, let me just say it again. The Lord is our provider, and he, um, you know, it may not be an envelope of cash, but our work, the, the work that he provides for us, is a way that we can, um, we can see his glory and, and, and see his blessing in our life. Um, and let, uh, next, let's talk about purpose. Um, I believe the Lord uses many circumstances in our lives to fulfill his purposes both for us and also in us. Um, uh, for me and my family, the, the season in Oregon really, um, really stretched and strengthened our faith, really strengthened our family, um, uh, strengthened our faith in Christ and just who we are in him. And um, the Ephesians 6 comes to mind, verse 13, Put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Um, and then also, I mean, just really, the, it just felt like a battle, like those two years. Um, and it just felt like the Lord was really with us, and we felt really close, and, and it was a, a great time. Uh, so, uh, also during this time, of trying circumstances, the Lord brought me to a place of, of a healthy, I, f- I, f- I say healthy humility, um, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a college graduate, and I was working these jobs where you barely need, you know, you didn't even need a, d- a diploma to work, and um, a lot of, some of the jobs, um, I was one of a few local white individuals that were working under or with primarily a Mexican population, so a few of the jobs my uh, super, immediate supervisors didn't speak any any English hardly at all, and I barely I still barely speak Spanish. So it was always a challenge, kind of at work, um, and and really you know I, for the first time I felt kind of had the experience of what it feels like to be a minority, and that was just so humbling and so uh, such a such a refreshing and humbling experience for me. Um, so I. I like to, or I recall Jim Garrett's saying, the Lord is the master chess player, and how often he uses our work circumstances to mold us for his glory and his purpose. Um, last, there's passion. Um, there's, a, there's a historical cannery, actually there's a lot of historical canneries in Astoria, but this particular cannery is called Pier 39. It's actually a pier that's it's built it's about 100 yards out from the shoreline and you to get out to this this building it's built over the water um, you have to drive on this one lane bridge kind of wooden bridge to get out to this to this pier now once you get there there's like a restaurant now and there's a kind of a hip coffee shop called coffee girl where you can get get an espresso and watch the giant ships go by you know cuz you're kind of over the water there's a place where you can rent kayaks and um, it's really a cool place, but there's also, on one side of it, there's a museum because um, it's a historical cannery. You know, it used to be a cannery, so there's a museum from everything from gillnet boats, where they used to, you know, go out and catch the fish and with the nets and drag them in, to canning equipment that they use actually in the in the 
manufacturing and canning, but um, there's a lot of these old photos that you see of uh, Scandinavian immigrant women, like full rooms, like a room full of women that are harvesting fish and the day's catch, and it's just really, it's really an interesting place. But on the door of one of these rooms, there's the saying that, 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 is, that says, work is our joy. Um, and I, I saw that kind of early on in our time in Oregon, and it's always stuck with me that, you know, because oftentimes, like at these canneries, um, during the busy seasons, you would work up to 18 to 20 hours days. Um, so that was meant, so that, that kind of that saying, work is our joy, was meant for a lot of eyes to see and, and, and very busy days. But, uh, but I think for, for many of us, or for some of us, I think uh, work can be our joy um, because the Lord has, it can be a great satisfaction um, and, and the Lord has, you know, has placed us in a position that utilizes our gifts in a way that we're, we can really bless others and be um, passionate about what we do. Um, we can truly have the freedom um, to, to enjoy our, our job and our work and um, and also, I mean, for me, uh, being a carpenter has given me the freedom um, as like First Thessalonians 4.11 says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands just as we have told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. So being a carpenter, I just love working with my hands. I love to, to make stuff and build stuff, and um, I have an art background, so, um, and I always love to take joy kind of in pushing myself to be a better craftsman, to, you know, to do a, a bit more of a challenging project and see how the Lord uses it and, and to stretch me and, and my abilities. So, also, um, people you work with can also um, bring joy and create a great work environment. I have the best boss in the world, I just want to say that. I'm saying that not just because he's sitting on the back row, but uh, I really mean that. He's a great guy, and I lo- you know, we have our, our team of, of, uh, that we have at work. We, you know, we're really a unique kind of blend of brothers in Christ, and we have a, a high standard of, of production, which I really appreciate and, and admire that. Um, and I think the customers that we often work with do that as well. Um, so, so even if... Uh, some of us can't say, you know, work is our joy. Um, you, you know, you can't truly really say that or you don't really mean it. Um, I just want to encourage you to, to make joy your work. Um, to, you know, at, at your job, I mean, this is the, the greatest, uh, as I have written here, um, our workplace is a great opportunity, if not the greatest opportunity, to show who we are as followers of Christ to unbelievers. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus, not only in, in our actions, but also in our attitude, in the relationships we make at work. Um, I can name—I mean, I can name at least one person from every job I had in Oregon that um, the Lord either used to bless me during that time, or the, or the Lord used me to bless them and minister to them. Um, so, whether it be a nice compliment, or you know, making someone smile, or uh, bringing pumpkin donuts to work on a fall morning, or uh, or even giving a client a vintage OU Pepsi bottle for their birthday, um, the Lord can use um, can use us to spread His joy and to, and and love at our various places of work. So, 
So in conclusion, the Lord is good, and uh, he's, uh, we can see his glory and provision, uh, purpose, and passion. Thank you. I would like to pray, if you don't mind, even if you do. Um, Lord, I love you, and I just thank you for every opportunity to praise you publicly, and I pray that this brings glory to your name, and um, that you would order my thoughts, and um, just say through me the things that you would like said, and so I, I thank you, and I praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I am a stay-at-home mom. That is currently my profession, and I have been for a year, but prior to that, I worked at a school called The Little Lighthouse, and if you're not familiar with it, it is a, a free Christian school for young children with special needs, um, and it provides specialized services for them as well as um, Christian influence for them. So it prepares them to go into the public schools or to the world. And so um, I worked there for 11 years, so that's a pretty substantial chunk out of my life, and it was really a wonderful time for me. I grew professionally, um, personally. I was married through that time. I started off, I was single, and then I got married, and then I had children. Uh, but spiritually, God really grew me through that time as well. And so um, as I was praying about what, what God wanted to share, what he wanted to, um, just the point of all of this is I, I also had the thought of maybe I missed the mark when I had a, <laughs> my little thing instead of the pages that Tom had. But um, I felt like it was the similarities between the two of being at home with my family and then being at the little lighthouse. Um, the name of the game at the Little Lighthouse is service. Everything that is done is done in the service. Well, in the name of Jesus, and it's serving, but it's for the glory of God. And so um, as I was talking to the Lord about it, I kind of felt like it was the same thing in my home. It's kind of service. I serve my kids. I serve my family. Um, and I do that in the name of Jesus, and I do it for the glory of God. Um, and so... You know, I, I came home as obedience. I knew that the Lord was calling me um, away from the little lighthouse and into my home. And so it wasn't a sorrowful transition for me at all um, because I had that peace that I was going forward in God's perfect will. And so if that encourages you, Ginger, to know that, you know, any time that you're, you know that you're in God's will, um, that's a blessing. It's a good thing. Um, so as I did that, um, I kind of came into this new mission field, and it's, it's very small, but it's my two daughters, and they're six and four. Um, and so I've really enjoyed bringing the things that I learned at the Little Lighthouse um, home to my family. Um, working at the Little Lighthouse is hard. It's hard work. Um, but it's this way that when you have a, a need and you go to the Lord, and he shows you exactly what he says is true, and everything that you need you can find in this book, and he will do it. Um, and so I learned that his grace is sufficient, and his grace is sufficient for me in my house and in my home. Um, but I love being at home, and I love um, discipling my children. Uh, I love modeling the love of Christ to them, um, and I love serving others with them. I love them seeing that. We've had some really neat opportunities to serve that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, so, yeah, so I'm really having a, a great time being a stay-at-home mom and um, serving the Lord in that new capacity. Um, and last week when Patty came up here and um, mentioned Psalm 145, that blessed me so much because I feel like that's my family's scripture. Like that's the scripture that um, even before I, I came home, 
the one that just, it just spoke to my heart so much. And it starts off, I will extol you, O God, my King, and I will praise your name forever. And every day I will praise you, um, and I will praise your name forever. And then it goes on to say that one generation um, will speak of your mighty acts to another. And I took that as a promise for my family and for my kids that, um, that what I'm doing, this foundation that I'm laying as a stay-at-home mom and being my kid's teacher, that, um, that, it, that one generation, they will speak the name of Jesus to their children and their children's children, and that will continue. Um, so anyway, it's a beautiful psalm, and it has a lot of things in it. But um, I have a lot of memories when I was younger of my just being with my mom, and I just loved it, and I had just just fun things, like just the peace and the comfort and the love that I felt with her. But my mom didn't know Jesus until she was an adult. And so I think um, what I'm doing for my children, they're going to have those memories, that those fun times and those things that, you know, they have in their hearts, but they're also going to have Jesus. And so I feel like that's my, my primary calling um, for them is to make sure that they, they know and love Jesus. Thanks. Well, I'm known as having the anointing of uh, our brother Willard Hudson, so I will make mine short and sweet. So, Isn't it great to hear three different individuals and what they do day after day, how they can glorify God and find satisfaction? You know, that's something that, uh, as I was preparing for this, I'm reminded in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, it says, A man can do nothing better than to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in his work. This, too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Having the sense of satisfaction. You know, I grew up in the 60s, and I can think of the Rolling Stones song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. You know, over the years, I've worked with a lot of people, and that's a common expression. I'm not satisfied. Well, God's Word tells us if we seek Him, we can find satisfaction in what we do. And that's a an important thing, I think, especially in the culture that we live in, where craftsman, pride in craftsmanship, as Tom was talking about, is almost extinct. You know, it's the expression is, well, it'll pass for government work. You know, but as Christians, we're to do our best. Whatever we do, whatever we put our hand to, we're to do our best for the glory of God. Great is thy faithfulness. The part of that, um, there's a verse that stands out to me when I think about work glorifying him. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. I've been teaching over 30-some years in various places overseas and here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I've seen the faithfulness of God. Faithful to give me the health 
to do what I'm doing, the strength, the physical strength, whether it's mowing lawns or moving computers or wiping up uh, dirty, snotty-nosed kids at school, you know, whatever. He gives me grace and strength. And I want to encourage you all that when there are times that uh, it's like, whoa, what am I doing here? That's the time to cry out, God, help me with an attitude that demonstrates the love of Christ to this world. There are three quick things I want to focus on, and that is, number one, to see your workplace as an altar of God. Number two, learning about God's grace and provision. And three, doing your work as unto God. You know, the first thing, you know, um, when I taught in China and speaking before a large group of students, and I was talking to them about the Protestant Reformation, how that affected America. One of the things that stood in my mind was this, to view my work as an altar before God. Now, some would think, oh, that sounds kind of weird. Well, weird as it may be. Another way of saying an altar is, this is the place where I am worshiping God. I'm not just a Sunday morning worshiper. I am not just maybe those who worship at home. But I want to be able to worship the Lord in my workplace because I want to be a 24-7 Christian. I don't want to be half-baked Christian, you know, where you're, you're, you're filled up and warm and hot on Sunday and then come Monday, whoop, what's that? Uh, I want to honor my God. The second thing is many of what was shared already about God's grace and power at work. You know, there are days that we're going to run in. It's not going to be happy. It's going to be kind of gritty and filthy. But God's grace is there every morning. His mercies are new every morning. As I'm driving to work, that's one of the things that comes to my mind. Great is thy faithfulness. Your mercies are new. Maybe yesterday was kind of crummy. God's mercy is new today. And I want to encourage you as a church that when you do have, and you will, have those days that seem kind of hard and stretching, as Tom was mentioning, that uh, God's grace is there. When I talk about uh, God's grace and power, I think about many of us deal with problems in the workplace. Some of us have challenges more with people than with machines. And the rest of us, well, we have to deal with both man and machine. And so... The workplace is where we spend most of the hours of our life, and it's where we look to God to make the difference. So um, I'm reminded on a daily basis, one of my responsibilities in my workplace right now is helping my fellow teachers, my colleagues, operate their computer. All right. 
it goes awry or whatever. I am not an Al Baker that uh, look at something and know how to do it. I have to really pray, God, give me wisdom. How do I fix this? And he does. Most all the time, something will come up and people say, how would you know that? I, I prayed. <laughs> I asked God to help me because uh, that's how I, I'm one of those amateurs under pressure, you know. Uh, that's what experts are supposed to be, right? Amateurs under pressure. Okay. Um, the other thing about work, I don't see that here in the church, but I felt impressed to share it. And it's out of Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. And basically, I'm going to wrap that up and say, the Apostle Paul tells us not to be idle, but to settle down and to earn the bread we eat. He goes on to say, follow my example. We were not idle, and we didn't eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked day and night so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Not that he didn't have the right to receive food, but he wanted to model the rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. A good uh, thing for us to be reminded of. Now, my third point is... um, doing your work as you're working unto God. And uh, as I was thinking about summing it up, it's like this. If you're working for God who sees all and you're not impressing your boss when he's present at the moment when he leaves, you go off to play. Well, God is our employer. If you keep that in mind, he's the one we ultimately have to give an account for. A lot of people think, well, you know, well, the boss is not here, so it's time to horse around or, or go read my email. I don't see that. I just see that I know that there will be one day that I will have to stand before my maker and give an account of what I've said and what I've done, if I did a really good job or if I was too squirrely not. So keeping that in mind, that I'm doing my job as unto the Lord. So... To wrap this up here, as I try to keep this in mind here, um, we need to first remember it's God who gives us the ability to earn the money. It's not our wonderful health or strength or how smart we are. It is God who gives that to us. You know, he gives that so that we not only can provide for our families, but he also gives that uh, uh, ability for us to help others. So, um, knowing that God is our ultimate employer and knowing that at the very first point I want us to remember that if you haven't thought of looking at your workplace as an altar unto God, a place of worship, I want to challenge you this morning to consider that. Because as you do that, the quality of your work will exceed far more than people who don't know him. So, Father, we thank you for the testimonies of these three people today. Lord, that we would be mindful of you have called and placed us in places that not anyone else can do that job, but you called us to do it. Father, I ask that you would bless and encourage each person here, Lord, 
to seek you first, your kingdom, your rule in their lives, so that we may bring honor and glory to you through our work. For we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, since the food is about ready, I'm going to go ahead and pray a blessing over that, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, let's go ahead and stand up.